Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to build happier habits into your daily life. This week we'll talk about why you should write your manifesto and about the happiness stumbling block of feeling distracted by your phone. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, the sage, Elizabeth Kraft. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, today I'm going to try to be extra wise. So (laughs) get excited. Pour it on. Yes, more wisdom, more sage pearls for us to gather. Speaking of wisdom and lack thereof... (laughs) Um, you know, the other week we talked about getting rid of worthless items. And I said that I had looked around my house and looked for worthless items and like thrown away some travel mugs Mm -hmm. and, you know, what didn't have lids and things like that. Um, well, I realized I had been staring at the ultimate worthless item, uh, because, you know, we're doing our renovation as I've mentioned many times. Mm -hmm. And part of that was we... (laughs) We put a beverage fridge in our kitchen. Um, And to do that, we took out a cabinet that had had two pull-out shelves inside the cabinet. And I realized we had those pull-out shelves, which are quite large, just sitting on the floor next to the kitchen for weeks. Oh, my gosh. And I'm just like, if there's ever been a more worthless item than a pull-out shelf in a cabinet that no longer exists i don't know what it is and it was just sitting like near like in the highly trafficked area of your kitchen just on the floor (laughs) yeah oh my gosh um well you sent me a photo so i will post a photo of these things so that people can appreciate the ecstasy you must have felt when you got rid of these these worthless items yes um and related to the idea of um sort of stuff that we have that's in our house that doesn't work or isn't satisfying. We also talked about the stumbling block of the incomplete upgrade. And I thought this was a great example of an incomplete upgrade, how it kind of might commonly manifest. And this is from Christy, who says that about two months ago, I cleaned up my closet when I switched over to my summer clothes. I loaded up two bags of clothes to take to Goodwill excellent, which proceeded to sit in the back of my car until today when I listened to your podcast about the incomplete upgrade. I had such a realization that that had been an incomplete upgrade in my life. I got 95% of the work done, but just didn't get to that last 5%. I was inspired by the podcast and dropped the clothes off today. I didn't realize what a happiness drain it had been, that nagging task that had just not been completed. And that's so satisfying. You know, when you go that last little bit, and really get something done, you really get it completed, then that's when the real energy boost um, kicks in. So I love that. I love that because I think that's a very common incomplete upgrade. It's sort of like you get it part of the way there, but not all the way. And I love that we're spurring people to action, Gretch. <laughs> yes, yes. Complete your upgrade. Get rid of your worthless things. So, Elizabeth, this week, our Try This at Home tip is to write your manifesto. Now, as we mentioned last week, uh, you and I had gone to the Podcast Movement Conference, and I gave a talk there uh, called uh, The Happier Manifesto, where I presented my 11-point podcast manifesto, which is all the things that we've talked about um, in the last, since we've started the podcast about kind of our aims for it and how we try to think about what we're doing and up our game and all that. And and for me, I've always found it really helpful to have some kind of manifesto where 
it's really distilled, you know, really try to write something very concise and very quick, something that can be reviewed quickly, um, but that has all the the main ideas. And I just, I really, I think it's very helpful in almost any area of life to write a manifesto. Yeah, what I love about this idea is that once you have something in manifesto form, it's like you have to do it. It it takes on a larger (laughs) um, sort of picture. You know, it's like, well, it's not just what I'm thinking. This is the manifesto. So I, I have to adhere to it, you know. And it's probably helpful in sort of spurring us toward doing the things that we know we want to do. Well, and it also helps you decide like what you think. So like one thing I did for for habits when I was writing habits is I wrote my habits manifesto, which, by the way, if you want my habits manifesto, I'll mail it to you or send it to you. You can just, you know, email me podcast at GretchenRubin.com and say you'd like to see the manifesto. And it, it just it's a, it's a discipline to like really what do I think and what you what I find usually when I do it at least is like I'll start out with like a big bunch of swirly ideas but then you realize like all these three ideas are really the same idea and that you can say it in a very very concise way. Yeah, Gretch, inspired by you, I wrote just a four point manifesto um, for a TV writing manifesto. Oh, let's hear it. Do you want to hear it? Yes, absolutely. And one thing I would notice about manifesto is like you've got four now, but I bet over the course of a year you might add more because now yes. that you've got your manifesto going, you'll see like, ooh, but I forgot this yes. whole thing. Okay, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Yes. And Sarah hasn't weighed in on this, so I'm sure she'll have points for the manifesto. But here's where we're starting. Take the meeting. Ooh. Right into the fear. What does that mean? Right into the fear means whatever, if you feel uncomfortable when you're writing, then that's probably a good thing. Mm. Um, And you should keep going into the fear. Like, don't avoid subjects that scare you. Mm. Don't stop. That's key. And stay human. Now, what do those mean? Well, don't stop is this um, career of mine is really a war of attrition. (laughs) Um, it's easy to get beaten down. Um, but if you Uh just hang in there, usually good things will happen. Ah, so it's just literally don't stop. Yeah. Don't stop trying. Right. Um, just as we had the discussion about rising from the ashes, you know, it's like, just don't stop. Right. And then stay human is there's a lot of, um, bad behavior, um, Mm in my industry. And um, I don't want to indulge in any of that bad behavior um, for any reason. Mm -hmm. So it's a reminder to myself to stay human and not um, go down any bad paths. Yeah. And then the first one, take the meeting. That's just, you know, you never know where the next great thing is, the next great opportunity. And even though you may not feel like you want to drive an hour across town to Culver City, (laughs) do it because you should always take the meeting. And I, one thing I would have thought was on your manifesto is uh, that sign that you have in your office that I love so much, which is, this is a fun job and I enjoy it. But maybe that's not a manifesto. That's more like the one word theme for the, the, the one sentence theme for the career or something like that. Yeah, that, that, that I felt like the manifesto needed to be more action item. Yes. So I, um, so I did not include that. But yeah. That is our overarching, um, you know, philosophy. One of the things about your your points were all like four words long. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of power to that, that it's not like, you know, sometimes you read like a nonprofit's mission statement and it's like, 
three paragraphs long, full of kind of right. jargon. <laughs> this is very punchy. Take the meeting. It's like, and that makes it easier, I think, for it to come into your mind. Like one of the things from the podcast um, manifesto that you and I talk a lot about a lot is beware of banter. Meaning, just kind of like idle chit chat. You know, we want to we want to make sure that we're making points, um, and when, in like having that thing, beware of banter. Like it goes through my mind, and that's like how a manifesto is supposed to work. It's supposed to help you remember what you're trying to do. You know what I bet a lot of people would love to do is a marriage manifesto. Ooh, yes, yes. Maybe I wonder if I could get Adam to indulge me in coming up with a marriage manifesto. Well, Jamie and I have a long car drive coming up. So if I ever have him trapped, that's when I can do it. But I got to say, Jamie does not play along with things like that very easily. <laughs> I'll try. Let's both try. And we will. <laughs> let's, we'll see how far we get. Let's try. Yeah. He, so this is the thing. For some people, this is a really fun uh, kind of exercise. And for some people, they absolutely do not. Uh, take to this kind of thing. And that's a great thing for anything happiness and habits related. If this appeals to you, try it and maybe it will be great. If it doesn't appeal to you, don't feel like you should do it or you have to do it or, oh, I don't have enough willpower to make myself do it. This is the thing that's like, it's useful and fun if it's useful and fun, but no demerit if you don't do it. Right. <laughs> But I hope people do. If you do a manifesto, we would love to see in any field, work, marriage, if you can do that, parenting, life, anything. Fitness. Eating, reading. I, did, uh, I mean, yes, I think I would love to see people's manifestos. Um, let us know. And so, you know, Twitter, Facebook, uh, email is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And again, if you want my habits manifesto or the podcast manifesto, I got manifestos all the, all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> it's podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, go to happiercast.com slash 76 uh, for anything related to this episode. Uh, this is episode 76. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Because everyone's different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyze your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers, so you have all the support you need to empower your change. Gretch, you know, I love Noom. I love all the tools it has, especially the step tracker and the weight tracker. I rely on those every day. Yep, you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash happier. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash happier. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash happier to start your trial today. Now, listen, I love our happiness hacks. And this week, you're up with a hack. What is it? Yes, Gretchen. This happiness hack comes from my friend, Helen, um, who I um, was working with last spring on a pilot she wrote um, when I was in New York. You'll remember Helen. Yeah, we interviewed. Yes, Helen was on our show. Um, and when we were in New York, one thing that came up was that Helen travels with hot sauce and salt. Ooh. And I don't mean she just brought it to New York. I mean, it goes on her person wherever she goes. She has oh. hot sauce and salt. And that's because her philosophy is that any food can be improved with hot sauce. 
Ah. Um, and it helps her to like order healthier food because she knows she can put a little hot sauce on it and get some flavor. So she's more likely to, you know, order something healthy ah. and she knows she can sort of spice it up herself and, and get, put a little dusting of great salt on it. Yeah. And I found when I was with her that I, you know, used her hot sauce and salt <laughs> a lot. And it did, in fact, improve the sort of eating on the go. Right. So it was just a fun happiness hack to also help you be healthier. Yeah. And I have to shout out the specific sauce that Helen loves and the Ooh. salts because that was very, um, you know, she feels very strongly about her hot sauce. She's a seventh generation Texan, I should mention. Mm. Ah. Um, so her favorite is yellow bird sauce, which comes in serrano, jalapeno, or habanero. And I can tell you the jalapeno is the least hot if you're looking to get some yellow bird <laughs> sauce. And then the salt she loves, which is really great salt. I didn't know that there was such a thing as great salt, by the way, but it turns <laughs> out there's a lot of different kinds of salts, is Malden sea salt flakes. Ah. And what she does is she gets kind of a big jar of salt from the grocery store and then she puts it in little tins that she takes Ooh. with her. And she puts the hot, the hot sauce in travel bottles for shampoo. Ah. So um, happiness hack of the week is um, hot sauce and salt. That's great. Okay. Easy, fun, and healthy. So that is a great hack. Thank you, Helen. Helen's happiness hack. <laughs> Now, going from like the happy place of a good happiness hack, we're now going to turn to something less fun to think about, but useful to contemplate, which is the very common happiness stumbling block that people talk about all the time, which is the problem of being distracted by your phone or people thinking that you're distracted by your mm. phone, which I think is a related happiness hack. Yes. There's so many aspects of this, like we can't even begin to cover. But one of the things that's really helped me about not being uh, distracted by my phone is that I think a lot of people feel like they have to be available at all times. So they have to be like they're constantly aware of their phone and like, is their phone going to command their attention? Whereas I really try to turn my phone off. Mm. Like my phone never rings. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that makes me much calmer because I think some people, they just are constantly sort of jumping out of their skins because it's not even their phone ringing. It's somebody else's phone ringing. I'm definitely one of those people. You are? You jump out of your seat? No, I don't jump out of my seat, but I'm definitely one of those people that feels like I need to be available 24 hours a day. And I have had, I mean, we have had executives, you know, emailing us at 430 in the morning. So there's a reason that I feel that way. <laughs> But would they expect you to respond? Like, do you need to have it by your phone and like lighting up and vibrating so that you are aware of it? I'm sure they wouldn't expect it. It's just, you know, you you just can't help but feel a compulsion to respond. Right, right. And that's the problem is like it's it can be so disruptive. And sometimes, obviously, you do need to be able to be reached, but um, sometimes you don't. And I have to confess, like, this is how tech backward I am, that in preparation for talking about this, I had to have, I went to Eliza and I was like, can you show me how Do Not Disturb works? Because I literally did not know how to turn on Do Not Disturb, which is, by the way, super easy. You just flick up from the bottom. You don't have to even, you know, open your phone and you hit the, the moon symbol. Mm. And what that does is it... If you set an alarm, your alarm will ring, but while you have it on Do Not Disturb, it will not 
ring, it will not vibrate, and the light will not turn on. Oh. So like if you're in a play yeah. and you don't want anything to happen, or like when we're recording this podcast and we don't want like the noise of a, of a phone even vibrating, you can do that. And the look of pity on Eliza's face as she <laughs> was like showing me how to do this as like I've had this phone, you know, for a hundred years, uh, was really, was very touching. Uh, but now I know how to do it. I, uh, so lesson learned. Yeah. Do not disturb. It's great if you don't want to um, be distracted by your phone. And then the other thing is that if you do know you're going to be potentially looking at your phone to warn somebody, like yes. if you're sitting down to lunch with someone or something, yeah. say, oh, you know, my babysitter might be texting me. So excuse me if I glance at my phone. Yes. So yeah. they don't feel like you're just constantly looking at your phone for no reason. Absolutely. And I think people are very, uh, have gotten much better about something like, oh, I'm sorry, I have to take this as my wife and she never calls unless it's like urgent or, you know, they kind of put it into a context. Um, or like one thing also that happened to a friend of mine is we were in a, like a, one of these, you know, it was at school and they have one of these speakers and somebody of my, a friend of mine said about another friend, I couldn't believe how she was just on her phone the whole time. I felt so bad because she was so rude to the speaker. And I was like, no, because I know this person. I was like, that's how she takes notes. She's taking notes on her phone. Ah. So she's probably listening very closely and writing a lot of things down. And so again, that's about setting expectations because I think sometimes people don't understand somebody might be using their phone in a way you don't use your phone where they, they aren't actually being inattentive or whatever. It's just, it's like this whole new area of etiquette that we don't, that we're, that everybody does it in a different way. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to manage. Yeah. You know, to add into that Gretchen now, I'll often think people are checking the time, like, geez, how long have I been in a meeting with this woman when actually they're looking at their iWatch because a text has come in. And they're just looking at oh. um, a text. So oh. that's a whole new sort of oh my gosh. realm of seeming distracted and like you're looking at the time when actually you're glancing at a text. So I also think if you're wearing an iWatch and you plan to do that, you should set that expectation. Like say, oh, excuse me if I glance down, you know, I'm expecting a, you know, a, a text from my wife or something. Right. Um, so that people don't just think you're looking at the time, which is what I always think. And I'm like, oh, I guess they're really bored. Right. Because that, that wrist gesture is so, you associate that so much with people telling time. Um, and another thing about being distracted by your phone and like how to manage phone use is like such a gigantic subject. I talk about it all over better than before my book about habits. But like in, if I had to like give one nutshell thing for this stumbling block, it's like make it inconvenient to get to your phone. If you don't mm. want to be using your phone, like if you don't want to be using your phone when you're driving, put it in your right. trunk or like right. on the floor of the back seat, or put it in a high shelf in a closet with the door shut when you're at home. Don't carry it around in your back pocket and think you're going to be able to resist because the problem with phones is like the minute they they have any they chirp at us, that curiosity sets in. Yes, and um. And it is, it, people are distracted. We distract ourselves. Other people get distracted. It's, it's a stumbling block. It is. One thing I do, by the way, Gretch, is like say, you know, um, Sarah and I a lot of times are waiting for calls. <laughs> That's a lot of our job is just waiting for calls. And if I have to go in and do something, you know, 
um, like go to the doctor or something like that, I'll say to her, yeah. hey, I'm going into this appointment, so I'm not going to be available. So I know that sort of ah. she's on alert and she'll be waiting by the phone or she won't expect me if they try to call me. She'll know, oh, we're not going to get Liz. It's fine. Just tell me whatever you need to tell me. And then I'm not sitting there worried while I'm in whatever the appointment is that someone's trying to call because I know that I've alerted her that I'm not available for the next hour. Yeah. No, I think that's great about setting expectations. I feel like people more and more will do things like, well, I'm flying that afternoon, so I won't be responding. And so that people are like, yes, that's sort of even different from being distracted. It's about managing expectations. We're also connected it's it's like it's a big issue, but that's a good that's a very good reminder. It's a huge stumbling block. Yeah, it is. I think this is one that's going to be getting worked out for the next several decades. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 indeed. Okay, Gretch, it's time for a listener question. And I want to remind everybody um, that you can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336 or easier to remember, 77-HAPPY-336. So listen, I think so many people are going to have uh, have asked this question themselves or have a good answer to this question. Um, it's a great, great listener question. Yes. And it comes from Sarah in Southern Pines, North Carolina. She says, my fiance and I are getting married in October. A close friend is officiating and we want to have several special readings throughout the ceremony. I've poured over books, magazines, and websites, but haven't found the right readings. We aren't religious, and we are looking for something unique. The only reading we have decided on so far is the E.E. E. Cummings poem, I Carry Your Heart, a favorite I first heard many years ago in my high school English class. I'd love your suggestions and some help from your listeners. So this is fun. This is really fun. So Elizabeth. Um, you kick it off. What, what readings did you have at your wedding? Gretchen, I am so embarrassed to tell you, I do not remember what readings we had. <laughs> um, and I asked mom and she doesn't remember what readings we had. Um, and I have to say, I remember we had three. I remember they were great. I remember who read them, but you know, I was so crazed. Um, our wedding took place at the same time that Sarah and I had a show picked up yeah. So it was like all ha like I you remember like I didn't even see the wedding venue until like the day before the wedding. Like mom did everything. Uh thank God for mom. Yeah. No, I helped her pick it out. Yes. That's right. I was in Kansas City, so I went and looked at venues <laughs> with her. Yeah. Yeah. Like we think Elizabeth would like this one. <laughs> it was so crazed. And so like Adam and I picked our readings like at the last minute. Um um, kind of dead tired. And so I've got to go back and like look through my books and remember which ones we had because I remember I loved them. Um, so, so that's my, um, uh, that's my, I don't have any, um, for my wedding to share at the moment. How about you? You had great readings. I remember yours. Yeah. Well, um, I'm embarrassed that I don't remember your readings either. I think I was sort of out of my mind too. It was all like so intense when it's a family wedding. Um, well, what, one reading we had, we had a Shakespeare reading. We had First Corinthians. That's a lot of people picked that, which is the love bears all things, believes all things. Um, one thing that was a little bit uh, more obscure that I loved, which is we put it in our, the last page of our order of services, is the Raymond Carver poem, Hummingbird, 
which is very short, so I'll read it. It says, suppose I say summer, write the word hummingbird, put it in an envelope, take it down the hill to the box. When you open my letter, you will recall those days and how much, just how much I love you. Oh, that's nice. But the best one that we had was a very, very short story by Richard Brodigan um, from his collection called The Revenge of the Lawn, which is an amazing little story called I Was Trying to Describe You to Someone. Do you remember that? Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's a gorgeous short story. And the girl in the story has red hair. Yeah, so I, um, I, it's too long for me to read here, but I will do it in the next a little happier. I promise. I will make the next a little happier. The reading that we did from her wedding from uh, I was trying to describe you to someone. But I want to hear what other people pick. This is, I think this is something so many people grapple with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a big, um, I'd almost call it possible happiness stumbling block because you're so stressed when you're planning your wedding and you care so much about having everything be meaningful um, that if something doesn't immediately spring to mind, it can be very stressful. Um, and it should really just be fun and, and, you know, a joy. But, um, I remember Gretch, I had a friend who asked me to pick out a reading for her wedding, which was a big responsibility. Oh gosh. Uh, I remember that. And, Yes. Um, one thing I did, and this is just so I'll just mention this to Sarah because maybe it'll help her in terms of focusing her um, search, is I knew this couple was really into baseball and going to baseball games. Ah. So I got a bunch of sort of books that were writing about baseball. Um, and I believe I ended up picking um, at least one reading that was from um, a baseball, something a baseball commissioner had said. So if you have an area of interest, like you guys love to hike or whatever it is, find something in that area. And there's something beautiful written about almost any subject. Yeah. Um, now with the internet, of course, you can just sort of browse on your lunch hour. Yeah. But it, I think you're right. It feels limitless. You're never kind of the end of the research. You want it to be like, kind of unique to you, but also beautiful and timeless. Yeah, it can be a challenging thing to find. So we would love to hear what you picked or what you love in terms of readings for weddings. And here's the thing. Send it to us, but also consider posting it on my site, happiercast.com slash 76, because it would be great to have kind of a running resource for other people to see what you've picked. Um, not just so Elizabeth and I can see what you picked, but so that other people who are thinking, oh my gosh, like I need, I want to look at lots and lots of options. If you put it there, then um, other people will be able to look it up. So um, like, because let's all help each other. This is a this is a big one. Uh, yeah, hopefully Sarah will get a reading from one of our listeners. Yes. So Gretchen, last week, um, I gave myself a demerit and a gold star, which means this week, you're up to give yourself a demerit and a gold star. So I just get to sit back and listen. So what, start, <laughs> start us off with your happiness yes. gold star. Uh, well, as with you, um, these were this was a demerit and a gold star that that happened very close in time, and this was related to a long car trip that mm. uh, that we had to take to take my daughter Eleanor to summer camp. So it was a long way up and a long way back. And um, off the cuff, Jamie said something like, "Oh my gosh, what are we going to listen to in the car for all that time?" So. The gold star is, I was like, you know what? That is a really good question. And I don't want to just like get in there and be thinking about it on the drive. I really want to figure out something that I'm actually looking forward to listening to. And so we listened to Limetown, which is a fictional podcast. And here's the description of it. It's 
Ten years ago, over 300 men, women, and children disappeared from a small town in Tennessee, never to be heard from again. In this seven-part podcast, American Public Radio host Leah Haddock asked the question once more, what happened to the people of Limetown? Mm. And it's kind of eerie and suspenseful, and it's really fun, and we all really enjoyed listening to it. Um, and so I give myself a gold star for having done a little bit of legwork in advance yeah. so that we really had hours and hours that we enjoyed instead of you know having it kind of be wasted time because we hadn't really thought it through. So gold star. So that's what you did right on, on your long car drive. Did, did you do something wrong? Yes, I did. And Elizabeth, I bet you can guess what it is because... You know me and driving, and you and driving. Yes, I'm guessing it was snapping at someone. Yes, because <laughs> I yeah I do snap generally, and I really snap in the car. I do not like driving. Uh, I've talked about that many times. I write about it at length and happier at home about my whole thing with driving. You and I, both of us, don't like driving. I don't. Yes. And how long was it that you lived in L.A. before you started driving there? Oh my gosh, uh, I think it was it was at least two years, but I quite possibly more. Yeah. Three, maybe. Three years. So you really didn't drive, even in L.A. And I live in New York, so I don't have to drive. But that's almost worse because then it's like it feels unfamiliar every time. And I'm usually going somewhere I've never been before. And so anyway, it's and so I but I forced myself to drive. That's a happier happiness doesn't always make you feel happy. And I make myself drive so that I can stay in the habit of driving and don't get so far away from it that I can never drive again. But it makes me super short tempered. Like even when I feel perfectly calm and like, oh, we're just driving down this, you know, main highway and there's not a car in sight. Jamie asked me something <laughs> and I completely fly off the handle because it just it makes me edgy. And I knew that. And still, I was very snappy while I was driving. And so mm. I'm not sure I'm ever going fi- to fix that demerit. But on the other hand. Nobody cared that much because we were all having so much fun listening to Limetown. So oh, good. there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Write your manifesto. Let us know if you tried it and please share your manifesto. I love manifestos. Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. I would love to know what her manifesto is. Yes. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us in iTunes. And Gretchen, you and I both love the podcast Sampler, which is hosted by Brittany Luce. And newsflash, we were on it. Yes, it was so fun to go in and get to talk to Brittany about uh, happiness and good habits in our show. So to check it out, go to Sampler, and we're episode 22. Or if you want to just go to a link to the episode, go to the notes for our episode, happiercast.com slash 76. I'll put a link to the Sampler episode right there. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. <laughs>